1: This is the California Report. Good morning, I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. After reports of people abusing a state access code system that was set up to help vulnerable people of color living in areas hard hit by COVID to schedule vaccination appointments, Governor Gavin Newsom is vowing reforms. The Los Angeles Times first reported that wealthier LA and Bay Area residents who had gotten the access codes were emailing and text messaging them to each other to schedule vaccinations, even though they weren't eligible for the shots because of their age or jobs. L.A. County Supervisor Hilda Solis was outraged by the revelations.
0: I am not surprised. I'm disgusted. I am disgusted. And I'm not disgusted at the work that we're doing, but I'm more disgusted about the behavior of people in the public that are not being responsible and actually allowing for those communities that are the hardest hit to be able to stand in line and get their vaccine.
1: And Governor Newsom says the state will change the code system.
0: In terms of people getting the codes, we're going to go away from group codes to individual codes, and we're working with the counties on that. Uh, We don't
1: like to see those abuses. In Alameda County, school officials stopped giving out the access codes for fear of their misuse. One 31-year-old man who works in the entertainment industry in L.A. canceled his appointment after learning he had received his access code inappropriately. Now we're going to turn to a person central to the Golden State's fight against the coronavirus. In 2019, Dr. Nadine Burke Harris was sworn in as California's first Surgeon General. She would soon face the coronavirus pandemic and helping to plan the state's response as chair of California's Vaccine Advisory Committee. As an African American healthcare professional and child advocate, Burke Harris has been especially concerned about the pandemic's toll on communities of color and the state's youngest. I talked to her about California's response to the pandemic and her reflections during a week when the state marked 50,000 COVID deaths.
2: I think that when we think about the past year, I mean, we have been through an absolutely extraordinary time. This has been really a singular event in American history and in world history and reflecting on the profound loss of life. The incredible disruption to our day-to-day lives. I mean, it really is akin to uh, what we see in war. But now we are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. We have increasing supply of vaccines here in California. We've already uh, vaccinated roughly seven and a half million folks in California have received at least a first dose, and more than a million and a half have received two doses. And so I just want to say that, that that light is there at the end of the tunnel and we are making our way through this pandemic and we're doing it together.
1: And Surgeon General, beyond the mechanics of the vaccination campaign, you fought against racial inequity in healthcare, and you've championed bringing more attention to children's health care, including their mental health and early childhood trauma. Given that, what are some things we should be thinking about more as we fight this pandemic and even look beyond it?
2: You know, when we look at, for example, the economic impact of the pandemic, we recognize that it has been on our communities broadly, but greatest on our most vulnerable, right? So our hourly wage workers, our restaurant workers, our folks who are, many of whom are really on the front lines, the folks who can't work from home. So we see that combination of the stress and the disruption of the pandemic with also the greater economic hardship. As a result, what we're seeing is, increased rates of things like intimate partner violence or substance dependence or parental mental illness, all of which are adverse childhood experiences. And what we know from the science and the data, that can have an impact on children's development, on their Mm -hmm. mental health, and on their physical health. So what we see is that if we do not put the right supports in place, this pandemic can have a profound and long-lasting impact on the health and well-being of our youngest generation.
1: You're California's very first Surgeon General, and you took this job before the pandemic struck. Has the fight against COVID changed some fundamental perceptions you've had about health care and our relationship with health?
2: I think one of the biggest ways that it has um, really just made clear my view, I don't know that it's changed my view, but really around some of the structural determinants of health. We have a new, a novel virus that is sweeping across, has swept across the world. And when we look in California, we see that the death rate among African-Americans is twice that as compared to Caucasian-Americans. We see that the infection rate among our Latino population is profoundly disproportionate compared to the percentage of the population. And even something, you know, a virus doesn't know your income. Your virus doesn't know what your racial or ethnic background is. The way that we have structured our society has made some individuals profoundly more vulnerable and at greater risk of disease and death. And I think that, This pandemic has laid that bare, and that is something that I believe deeply that we have to redouble our efforts to address these social determinants of health, because they are literally a matter of life and death. All right. On that note,
1: California Surgeon General Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris, thanks so much for joining us on the California Report. It's been a real pleasure talking to you.
0: Available now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: A national environmental group is suing the Newsom administration over what the group says is the illegal approval of thousands of oil and gas drilling permits in the state. With more, here's KQED's Ted Goldberg. The Center for Biological Diversity is filing a lawsuit against the California Geological Energy Management Division. The suit filed today in Alameda County Superior Court says CalGEM has consistently approved drilling permits without enough environmental review. The group notes that drilling can harm public health in nearby communities, pollute the environment, and lead to serious oil spills. The center wants a judge to stop the agency from issuing such permits unless it studies them more. CalGEM officials have yet to respond to the suit. They recently announced that they granted fewer oil well permits last year than the year before. The center's lawsuit comes a week after two state lawmakers propose banning several drilling techniques in the coming years. For The California Report, I'm Ted Goldberg. And staying on energy and the environment, a new audit of California's top climate agency found regulators overstated reductions in the state's greenhouse gas emissions. KQED's Kevin Stark has the details. In a new report, California's auditor said the state is in danger of failing to meet its 2030 climate goal of reducing greenhouse gases by 40 percent. A key problem is that emissions from the transportation sector have increased in recent years. The state's Air Board is in charge of implementing climate policy, including managing incentives for electric vehicles to reduce planet-warming gases. But the agency is not gathering enough data about that program and doesn't know how the incentives are impacting Californians' consumer behavior, the report found. The Air Board says it will be making a range of recommendations to improve its climate accounting. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. And a final energy-related story. Have you ever looked at your utility bill and thought to yourself, this seems awfully darn high? Well, a new report says many utility customers in California pay more, much more for their power compared to consumers around the nation. The California Report's Lily Jamali has the details. Lily?
0: Hi, Saul. Well, PG&E, for one, charges 80% more than the national average. SoCal Edison charges 45% more. And San Diego Gas and Electric charges double. That's according to a report by the Energy Institute at Berkeley's Haas School of Business and the nonprofit Next10. It also found that the state's three investor-owned utilities charge customers two and sometimes as high as three times what it costs to produce and distribute power. This is rates are expected to rise even higher because of costs stemming from wildfires. This week, the utilities are taking questions on their wildfire mitigation plans at the State Public Utilities Commission.
1: That's the California Report's Lily Jamali. With the death Monday of Lawrence Ferlinghetti at the age of 101, San Francisco has lost a figure synonymous with more than a half century of the city's cultural history. Ferlinghetti was so many things. A poet publisher, political provocateur, and champion of generations of avant-garde and outsider artists going back to the days of the Beats. In 1953, he also co-founded San Francisco's beloved City Lights Bookstore. To learn more about Lawrence Ferlinghetti and his legacy, I talked to KQED arts and culture reporter Chloe Veltman
3: there's so much to say but basically Lawrence Ferlinghetti is a great icon of the American literary landscape and has a global influence for a a number of reasons I mean the first thing he did when he came to San Francisco in the early 1950s is that he completely reinvented the way books were made and the way books are sold. The first thing is that uh, he was into publishing paperbacks at a time when hardback books were really you know the main thing to do and, and the only books that were published in paperbacks were sort of trashy books and he changed that and he also took a look around and he saw an opportunity to improve bookstores
0: when i arrived in san francisco there were downtown bookstores that closed at 5 p.m on fridays and weren't open on the weekends so the whole idea of city lights was to furnish a locus for the literary community
3: He got into trouble for publishing the poem "How" by Allen Ginsberg. It had some references to homosexuality in there. And um, he was arrested in 1957 on these obscenity charges. And eventually, though, the charges were dropped. And that set an important precedent for reduced censorship in the publishing world. And
1: just remind us about his importance to helping to cultivate the avant-garde art scene in San Francisco going back to the early 1950s.
3: Sure. Well, in addition to making bookstores very much community hangout places, he also was provided a hub for great up-and-coming literary figures to come and hang out and to share ideas. People like Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac and the Beat Poets. That whole scene bubbled up around Ferlinghetti and the City Lights bookstore, which he opened with uh, Peter Martin in 1953 in uh, North Beach in San Francisco. Do you think
1: that Ferlinghetti kind of is is representative of a kind of San Francisco that's largely vanished is vanishing?
3: Well, Lawrence Ferlinghetti is very much a critic of fast, onrushing, technological development that's inhuman. He has um, this word that he uses, he calls it autogeddon, and it's basically a, a critique of how fast society has changed, and he says, not for the better. I asked him about this when I interviewed him for his 100th birthday nearly two years ago, and this is what he had to say about it.
0: Autogeddon is sweeping the country, and there's no stopping it. Yes, there's things that could be done, but they would be revolutionary and the United States isn't ready for revolution.
3: So in many ways, Lawrence Ferlinghetti's vision for what, San Francisco ought to be somewhat differs from what it actually is. I mean, here today, we're very much a city that is fueled by the technology industry and and all the things that come with that. But, you know, there are still glimmers in San Francisco of this world of Ferlinghetti. It's just, it's just much harder to find them today.
1: All right. That is KQED's Chloe Veltman talking about the passing of San Francisco literary giant Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Chloe, thanks so much.
3: You're really welcome. Thanks so much, Saul, for having me.
1: And that is the California Report for Wednesday, February 24th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.
0: Support for the California Report comes from water heaters only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at WaterHeatersOnly.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. And Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. odc.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app, Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it.